Listener Production. Hello, welcome to The Briefing. It is March 28, it's Monday, and whether it's at the petrol station or the supermarket, prices have been on the rise. The cost of living already surging and interest rates poised to rise. Australians are counting on the government to introduce measures to ease the cost of living. Addressing those cost of living pressures will be a key priority of that budget. What we need to do is recognise the fact that everything is going up except people's wages, so we need a plan to address real wages. The cost of living has become a massive political issue and I would hate to be in the government right now because it's a very tricky situation. We're dealing with rising inflation, stagnant wages, big national and household debt and it's all because of two shocks we can't control. That was COVID and now the war in Ukraine. The fact is that what has happened is an externally driven dent to our standard of living. That's Peter Martin, an economist, and we'll interview him in the briefing to try and understand what's going on with the cost of living, how long the pain's going to last, and whether the politicians who bang on about it in tomorrow's budget can really do anything about it. First, today's headlines with Katrina Blowers. Hey everyone, well a presidential gaffe could escalate the war in Ukraine. The White House is scrambling to clarify some off-the-cuff comments made by President Biden about Vladimir Putin in Poland over the weekend. For God's sake, this man cannot remain power. Yeah, this man cannot remain in power. Those comments got worldwide attention. Uh, Very quickly, the White House was walking back on them. Uh, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken said the words are about being in power over Ukraine, not Russia. We do not have a strategy of regime change in Russia or anywhere else for that matter. Oh, what a mess, hey, Tom? Well, the French president has also distanced himself from Biden's comments, saying his focus is on helping broker a ceasefire. We want to stop the war without waging war and without escalation. The UK Education Secretary has also distanced the UK government from the comments. And the fear here is, Katrina, that calls like this to depose Putin could make him more uneasy and even more dangerous. Yeah, I've got to say, when I saw Biden uh, speak out about Putin yesterday, I, I sort of thought, wow, this is a mm. change in tone. He also called him a butcher. Mm. Um, he certainly wasn't mincing his words. And can you imagine if you were the press secretary of the White House, <laughs> what you would have been thinking as he was making those comments? Because it certainly caused uh, some ruction already from Russia. Yeah, when I heard it over the weekend as well, I went, Wow, here we go. We're really stepping this up now, but apparently um, we're not. We're stepping it back as quickly as possible. Rain, rain, go away, and please don't come back for a long time. Unfortunately, though, disaster hit parts of northern New South Wales and even southern Queensland are again bracing for some possible floods as more heavy rain hits the area. Yeah, there's a severe weather warning for heavy rain in southeast Queensland and northern New South Wales. This flood may not be the same as the last one. It may respond differently. That's Ashley Sullivan from the SES. And it's worth noting New South Wales authorities have said that help and resources are poised and ready to swing into action this time around. Six hourly rainfall totals could hit 180 millimetres on the coast, 140 millimetres inland, which is a fair bit of rain. Yeah, that is a lot of water. Um, There are minor and moderate flood warnings in place for the Tweed, the Rouse Rivers, Wilson's River going through Lismore, um, the Richmond River through Ballina and the Arara River. 
With the budget coming out tomorrow night, those promises are coming thick and fast. A petrol tax cut is set to be front and centre. We recognise that pressure. We will be providing relief for cost of living. That's Treasurer Josh Frydenberg. It'll be his night of nights tomorrow night. According to the Australian newspaper, uh, the speculation is that the government will cut the fuel excise somewhere between 10 and 20 cents a litre for six months to help us ease the cost of living. Uh, There are also reports of a $250 cash payment, also more first home buyers to be included in the home guarantee scheme, which means you can buy a house with only a 5% deposit. There's also expected to be a beer tax cut, which will be quite significant, actually. It'll take about 40 cents off the cost of a schooner. That's already been criticised as sexist, though. Uh, There are some figures from the Institute of Health and Welfare that show that only around 10% of women actually Mm. drink beer. Yeah, you should get a a Chardonnay tax cut. That's sexist (laughs) as well, isn't it? A G&T tax cut I would be in favour of. (laughs) There we go. There's also a billion dollars slated for a faster train line between Newcastle and Sydney. We all know that could speed up. Labor have said they'll support the measures that ease the cost of living pressures, but they want to see long-term solutions. And Katrina, as you're going to hear in our briefing today, the government are in a very tough situation. They're going to Mm. try and show us they're listening when it comes to sort of the pain people are feeling on cost of living, but there really is little they can do without further adding to inflation, which is already rising, Mm. you know. So if they splash a lot of cash... They add to the cost of living pressure by fueling inflation and potentially uh, an interest rate rise, (laughs) all at a time when we've got record government debt, which at some point we need to start winding back. Drugs may have played a role in the death of Foo Fighters drummer Taylor Hawkins. Some early tests have indicated the presence of 10 psychoactive substances in his body, including THC, uh, also known as marijuana, antidepressants, benzodiazepines and also opioids. Yeah, the report doesn't go into the volume of those drugs in his system and the cause of death is still being worked out. Uh, The 50-year-old was found dead inside a hotel room just hours before... Uh, The band was due to headline a festival in Colombia. Pretty sad one. Tributes are Mm. flying in from all over the place. I feel so sorry for Dave Grohl. I mean, this is the second time he's lost someone really Mm. close to him in a band. He was also part of Nirvana when Kurt Cobain uh, committed suicide in the 90s. You've just got to feel for him. It's the second really close person to him that's died well before their time. Yeah. A piece of AFL history will be returned to its rightful owner today, Alex Wheeler is the fan that marked Buddy Franklin's 1,000th goal and he's going to give the ball back, finally, at a press conference this morning. So Franklin kicked the goal during the Swans' round two match against the Cats at the SCG last Friday. The legend becomes immortal. That call there on seven. So the kick prompted thousands of fans to stream onto the field, Mm. something the SCG hadn't seen in more than 20 years. I was a little bit like, whoa, what is going to go down here? But everyone was pretty respectful and they didn't like shoulder charge Mm. or yeah, get get too crazy, which I thought was really lovely. Yeah. And he had some of his um, fellow players around him almost acting like bodyguards. And also, if you noticed in the photos, he was still um, head and shoulders above everyone. around him pretty much. So he looked pretty (laughs) solid. But what we've since found out is that there was an amazing catch from a fan who marked the ball behind the posts. And that's now ended up on social media. Here's the moment that Alex Wheeler caught the ball. I have to get out of here. (laughs) 
Of course he did. So usually when someone catches a ball in the crowd, it gets returned to the umpire or another official, but Wheeler just disappeared. And because there was so much chaos going on, nobody chased after him. Yeah, so there's been an appeal for the ball to be returned over the weekend. And so that's what's going to happen to entice Wheeler to give the ball back. (laughs) Um, They're going to give him some memorabilia signed by Franklin. Um, They're going to let him come to a training session and give him a free membership. I was thinking it would have to be some pretty good memorabilia because (laughs) there's talk that this ball could actually be worth as much as $200,000. Franklin is only the sixth player in the game's history to reach four figures. So that ball would be hotly sought after as as a piece of, you know, game history. Yeah, I mean... He would have become the most hated person in Australia if he didn't give the ball back. But maybe he's only decided to give it back since this video emerged and he was actually identified. If he'd gotten away with it anonymously, maybe we wouldn't be in this position of getting it back. One of the biggest heists in AFL Mm. history. All right, Katrina, we'll catch you tomorrow. Jan Fran's joining me for a big dissection on the cost of living issue. Cost of living. Jan, Fran, are you really looking forward to hearing those three words repeated over and over again in the lead up to the federal election? I'm going to say a definitive no, Hard no to that question. Even hearing you say them so deliberately and slowly there gave me like shivers up my spine. Because of how boring it is or because you're scared of the cost of living? No, because I'm scared of the cost right. of living and because I know that we're going to be hearing it A lot in the lead up to the election. (laughs) And, you know, it's affecting a lot of people, especially if you, I don't know, use petrol or eat food or just exist in life. I do all three of those. So, yeah, it's affecting me. It is a real thing. It's a real problem. We all know that. Whether politicians can do anything about it is a whole other matter, as we're going to find out. There's a few quick background things to this conversation, right? First of all, the one thing you need to know, we measure cost of living in Australia with something called the CPI, which stands for the Consumer Price Mm -hmm. Index. Now, that basically monitors prices across all of the main products and services that we buy, and it sort of weighs it all up. You should have been my economics lecturer. (laughs) Did that sound like I knew what I was talking about? Good, I like it. Okay, so the CPI at the moment in Australia, um, this is on the most recent data from December, is 3.5. So that's prices going up 3.5% per year. Not too bad compared to the US where it's closer to 8%, which is pretty wild. But the latest figures from December don't include what's happening in Ukraine, which has been jacking up oil prices and wheat prices and fertiliser prices. So the next quarter could be a lot higher than 3.5% even here in Australia. To give you historical context, over the last five years, it's been under 2%. Yeah, so I guess the question that we all probably want to know, one, how bad can it get? What is causing it? And are these high prices that we're seeing at the Bowser and the supermarket, are they going to last? And what to keep in mind when Polly's promised to do something about this. Yes, that too. Uh, So with us, we've got economist Peter Martin. He is a visiting fellow at the Australian National University. Um, He's also the co-host of ABC's The Economist on Radio National. Peter, thank you for joining us on The Briefing. We know that petrol is going through the roof. Where else are we seeing the pain? Food. You wouldn't think that because this is sold as a something that's happened to the price of oil and we can see it happening to the price of oil. The price of petrol has increased dramatically. 
But Russia makes a lot of wheat. It makes, or Russia and Ukraine combined, account for about a quarter of the world's wheat, about a fifth of the world's barley, fifth of the amount that's uh, traded, exported around the world, 70% of the world's sunflower oil. Now, add those things to the price of diesel, which is used in making food, used in transporting food, used in shipping food, and add Russia's and Ukraine's pivotal role in the production of fertiliser worldwide, ammonia. The price has gone up 30%. Russia and Belarus between them account for 40% of the world's potash. Now, I don't know a lot about these things, but uh, I do know that those two ingredients, or urea, which uh, comes from ammonia, is also shot up in price, are the key inputs to fertiliser. So we are, if we haven't already, going to see much more expensive uh, vegetables, much more expensive meat, chicken, all sorts of things uh, fed from food which is grown with fertiliser. And in some places, Egypt is uh, the world's biggest importer of wheat and it gets a lot of it directly from uh, Russia and Ukraine. There's talk about bread riots. Uh, Mm. Egypt this week uh, froze the price of bread, but it's going to have to ration it in order to sort of stop this concern. It's almost hard to think of what won't go up in price. SPC, the the people who make baked beans and uh, everything else in Shepparton in Victoria, uh, they've applied to Woolworths and Coles, uh, asked for permission, says something about the uh, relationship, the power imbalance between the two, requested a 20% price increase in the uh, price of baked beans. Are you really saying that a lot of this increase in the cost of living is due to the Ukraine crisis? There were other big factors um, pushing up inflation in, in a number of parts of the world. One was the COVID factor, which was supply shortages and increased demand from increased savings and cash being splashed by big central banks and governments. So how much of those factors are contributing to the rising cost of living versus the much more recent factors like the Ukraine uh, war? They were the prelude to it. The price of computer chips soared because of production difficulties, which are coming back. So China has just had a week-long shutdown in the the part of China that makes uh, almost all, well, 90% of the world's electronic goods. So those sort of things are happening at the same time. And also what we saw during COVID was swings in how much we bought. And the swing was so extreme for oil uh, because, you know, people weren't using uh, petrol that uh, the price of oil turned negative for a while. Mm. The price is finally balanced in that when you've produced the oil, you've got to do something with it. Uh, In fact, what they did do was just leave it on ships circling the world. You've got to do something with it. And if people unexpectedly don't want it, that's a problem. And then at the end of the serious lockdowns in the US, the US is what drives the price, people started demanding it and the producers weren't ready. So the price skyrocketed. These things happened before. What's happened in the Ukraine invasion 
and what's happened with the COVID disruption, what they have in common is they're nothing to do with the kind of inflation that we think of as inflation, Mm. which is prices chasing prices, which is wages going up so people can buy goods and then the price of goods going up because wages and so on, the upward spiral. This is better thought of as a series of one-off price rises, Mm. albeit spreading everywhere, but it's not quite the same as the the kind of inflation that the Reserve Bank uses interest rates and so on to control. Yeah, and that makes the policy debate so tricky, right? Because as you say, these are sort of these one-off external shocks um, rather than just a a steadily growing demand. So it's it's a real question mark as to what governments can really do about it. Yeah, now people tick boxes and say, oh, higher prices, higher inflation, the Reserve Bank should put up interest rates. But it would do nothing. Putting up interest rates, which is a way of making people poorer, harder to borrow, greater repayments, less money in the economy, normally you'd expect that to reduce price pressure. It would do nothing to reduce the pressure on the price of petrol, on the price of wheat, on the price of (laughs) computer chips. If we decided to buy none of them, you know, if we were so impoverished that we went into a recession, it wouldn't change what's happened. What about the other things our politicians can do? We're about to have an election. Um, cost of living is going to be a big issue. They're going to try and promise that they can address this, but can they? They'll do something to ease the pain. The pain is really genuine uh, and obvious because, you know, petrol is sort of the the first thing that's moved in price. And petrol is very significant, particularly for low earners. So it's more than 3% of the the spending basket of uh, people in the bottom 40% of earners. For high earners, it's one point something, right? High earners spend more on alcohol than petrol. (laughs) In fact, they spend a lot more on alcohol The government will do something to make people feel better. It will be uh, a grant of uh, some kind. It it might be a cash payment, something like that. They might reduce the or even eliminate uh, temporarily uh, the uh, petrol excise, the the fuel tax. New Zealand has uh, cut that. The problem is that the excise, big as it is, it's about uh, 20% of the, the, the price of petrol at the moment, just isn't that big. If the government removed the excise altogether, it would put uh, petrol prices back where they were five weeks ago, right? Hmm. So they'll do something to ease the pain. They certainly won't create more pain like the Reserve Bank would if it pushed up interest rates. The, the fact is that what has happened is a externally driven dent to our standard of living. There's nothing we can do about that. I'm sure that so many people listening, myself, I'm one of those people that really wants to know how much higher the cost of living can climb and what the next few months yeah, look like. Yeah, how long like. will this last? Yeah, how, so how, how long do you reckon it'll last? It may be temporary. The Russia, Temporary like you, a week or temporary like a year? <laughs> no, those no, are no. two very different things, Peter. <laughs> Between the two. <laughs> okay, temporary like a few months. So you can imagine the Russia-Ukraine situation ended. Uh, they probably will have lost a whole year's crop because, as mm. I said, fertiliser is expensive. The planting season for some products is uh, in the next month, so that's un- they're likely to miss a year. But... Um, When this is over, the world has been incredibly good at supplying everything we need. 
that hasn't stopped. Remember all of the panics. We weren't going to have enough uh, hand sanitizer. You know, we weren't going to have enough masks. The world's very good at supplying things as soon as people start asking for them. We'll return to that. That's why this might end up not being, if you like, genuine inflation. We might see the CPI, the Consumer Price Index, go up. Uh, you asked how high. Um could go up 5 or 6%. In the US, it's gone up between 7 and 8%, but it should come back down. There's no real lasting reason why the world should be short of oil, why it should be short of fertiliser, why it should be sh short of wheat. Because of the, you know, what might be the temporary nature of it, the Reserve Bank is not exactly trigger happy. It's not mm. exactly saying, you know, we'll push up rates now. Now you're, you're testing me, Jan, but yes, I would say within a year, uh, you'll be okay. That was economist Peter Martin. So 12 months, he reckons, Jan, it might be coming under control. How does that make you feel? Uh, well, you know what? It makes me feel like I, don't, I want to believe him, but I kind of don't because a mm. month ago... We didn't have a crisis in the Ukraine and now we do. And who knows what's going to happen in a month's time from now. Everything just seems so uncertain. But it was kind of comforting to have a timeline, I guess, even though the timeline was a year. I'm confused. I don't know well, how to feel. Yeah, the supply and demand of so many products has been all over the shop because before Ukraine, it was the pandemic just affecting so many different categories and supply chains. So these really are weird economic times and they are very uncertain. And in the US, it's been a really interesting one where the Federal Reserve is saying this is transitory, you know, sort of short term, but it's gone on longer than they expected. Mm. Loads of question marks and we kind of just have to hang on for the ride, particularly scary if you have a big mortgage. Or a baby. <laughs> or both. Tomorrow on The Briefing, we bring you all the latest news on Hillsong's Brian Houston, who stood down for good last week after revelations of inappropriate behaviour towards two women. Listener.